Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by Fans for Fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is three trades to change the NBA. Our first trade is Chris Paul to the Los Angeles Clippers. So, Jalen, what do you think would have happened if Chris Paul was actually traded to the Los Angeles Lakers? So the thing is, man, that that veto, man, let's be real. It low-key saved the NBA, bro. For real, for real. I'm not going to lie because, look, man, we talking about Chris Paul with Dwight Howard, who was just signed at the time, still had Kobe on the squad. You still had the boy Powell hanging around. Derek Fisher was still kind of kind of chilling. As a, as a heavy veteran for the squad, which would have definitely made him probably a backup point guard at that point. Let's be real. It was Chris Paul. I mean, it was Chris Paul, like the CP3 at the time. You know, he's kind of waned off as of late, but still is performing well. But this was CP3 at the time we were talking about. You give Kobe Bryant a backcourt mate like Chris Paul, and I think we're going to have problems. Like, I uh, again – we said we said in the, um in the past podcast that you know you take you take the squad that the Golden State Warriors had initially and you drop Kevin Durant in there instead of dropping a guy like Harrison Barnes who they would have re-signed into the lineup. If you tell me you get Chris Paul instead of Derek Fisher, yeah, the Lakers are going to be a bit of a problem. And that's not even talking about the fact that oh yeah, Kobe Bryant was still on the team. Yeah, yeah, he was he was still a problem back then. So, yeah, with that being the case, talk about a trade. I mean, I, mean, I know our last episode was about free agency breaking the NBA. Dude, this trade right here, this is a 2K my team. We needed to have ASAP. Like, right after the trade was made, everybody was like in 2K, like, bro, let me make this team real quick. We need to run this, see if they can win 82 games in a row and still win the championship, you know, see what's up with it. This was a squad right here, bro. It would have been better than any team that they won a championship with. Hey, I know that's, that means that you're counting Kobe and Shaq being on a team and different guys like that. But when has Kobe ever had a backcourt mate like this? And a backcourt mate at that that also would distribute the ball. If there's one thing that we remember about Kobe Bryant, if anybody knows anything about Kobe, big shot taker, big shot maker. What if you had a point guard? And of course, he got Steve Nash, but he got broke back Steve Nash. Not the same thing. What if you get a point guard like Chris Paul who can make the big shot you take an easier shot to make as well? I mean, it would have changed completely how it was in terms of Kobe making big shots. His percentage on shots in the last second would have changed just by the position he would have been in by having two guards in the backcourt who could take that big shot and make it. Because Chris Paul ain't no slouch making big shots either. They would have been the scariest backcourt in the league at the time. I think the question to you is, and, you know, I usually pose these questions to you and end up making you make a choice, and sometimes you lean with the ones that I wouldn't expect, but that's what we do on this podcast. My question to you is, because I don't think it's if, it's, it's how many. How many championships does the Lakers win with CP in the backcourt? If things had gone the way as planned, I'll give them two championships. And I say, I say, I say, Kobe has seven rings, which makes him automatically better than Jordan. So, <laughs> I had to, th- I had to throw that in. I'm sorry. 
Lean into your take. Lean into I, your take. I, I, why do I do it? <laughs> I have to say, David Stern basically would have broken the NBA for the second time in two years because LeBron's <laughs> if you remember LeBron's decision was not far off because no, this actually happened in I believe December 2011 I think that's how I believe it happened. so yeah December 2011 so I think 100% this would have broken the NBA again even before Kevin Durant even before DeMarcus Cousins signed with the Warriors I think if he went to the Lakers they would have reigned supreme over Los Angeles for many, many years, leaving the L.A. Clippers in the obscurity that they've been in for the past, like, what, mm-hmm. 30 years? Long Man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think that Chris Paul joining the Lakers may have, been, may have been the greatest thing to never happen. I think what people forget about what Chris Paul was doing in his time in New Orleans was – being a floor general and being one of the best at it. So I, I feel like two championships is suffice for this team, considering you still get Dwight Howard, but you also lose Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom in that trade. So I think two is probably good enough, especially considering Dwight's in this prime still. Like he's still he's still being one of the best shot blockers and being one of the best defensive players in the league at that time. So I think two would be good. But my question to you, Jalen, is if Chris Paul goes to the Lakers, would it be like a situation with Shaq where he clashes with ownership, clashes with Kobe? Is there a situation like that that happens between Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant? No, man. I, and, you know, you, you never contest anybody's mentalities, right? You know, even when stuff was going on with Shaq and Kobe, we kind of you never see it on the floor, so you always kind of assume that two superstars can win in spite of either each other or in spite of, you know, any type of beef in general. When it's in the, when it's in the spirit of the game and in the spirit of the team, they tend to kind of overpower, overmatch all the outside noise, right? But I think these are two guards that truly, these are two guards that truly complemented each other in terms of their competitiveness. And if you remember, there was a lot of beef to what, to, um, between Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard in terms of Dwight Howard's commitment to the game versus trying to be the next Shaquille o- O'Neal in terms of off-the-court endeavors, being the big old Disney-like character that Shaq was. Dwight Howard was not too far behind in terms of trying to follow his footsteps, literally down to the dunk contest wearing a Superman cape. Like, he literally wanted the job so bad. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I think those two in particular would have been almost two on the same page, that that's what I feel like makes them this very, a very scary dynamic duo in the backcourt. Again, the other thing is, you know, Derek Fisher is no slouch. He's definitely an underrated player at that guard spot for sure. Um, and doesn't get enough love for his contributions as a veteran on a lot of those, like, Lakers teams that won championships. But at the same time, we're talking about Chris Paul here. like. Injuries aside, we're talking about one of the most competitive guards in the league and was truly a dominant two-way player. Because even as a small guard, he was no slouch on the defensive end, bar none. So it was one of those things as two guards that essentially could play both sides of the ball. You give Kobe the primary scoring role and you give Chris Paul the primary distribution role. I think that although Dwight Howard was still his kind of like fun, cuddly self the way he was acting, 
I feel like his performance on the court still would have been high level at the time because he had a guard that could distribute him the ball in a way that he hadn't had with the Magic. Jameer Nelson is not Chris Paul. It's just not the same. If Jameer Nelson could get Dwight Howard the ball and get Dwight Howard a 20-10 and 10 game, Chris Paul can get Dwight Howard a 20-10 and 10 game. And there's, I feel like there's a lot less beef and a lot less tension if, yeah, you might not be the most competitive guy from a mentality standpoint, but one of the things that I feel like that had Kobe clash with Dwight Howard was that he also kind of was underachieving for all the hype that was kind of brought in around, oh, man, Dwight Howard's going to be the next best big man to come through the Lakers' turnstile of, you know, NBA greats at that position. And he kind of didn't play up to that. I feel like Chris Paul would have brought that out of him and having two competitive guys in the backcourt would have just made the team scary to watch. So overall, I really just look at the squad and it's just like, I feel like beef aside, man, if Kobe and Shaq could have won, if Kobe and Shaq won as many championships as they did in spite of beef, dude, Dwight Howard and Chris Paul, dude, (laughs) broken. It's without a doubt. Yeah, I I think the league would have maybe never recovered after that. But I just feel like with Chris Paul, maybe that there's a chance he clashes. I mean, he's had some clashes with James Harden when they were in Houston. Okay, he's had true. clashes with he's had clashes with Blake Griffin in uh, L.A. I just feel like you know there maybe would have been that because Kobe Bryant wants it his way. I mean, Kobe's Lakers have been his team for at that point the past 15 years. So, I mean, he's obviously not going to let somebody walk in and tell him like, this is the play style that you're going to, you're going to run. It's, it's, it's either Kobe's way or the highway at that time. So True. we're going to flash back to 2004 when Vince Carter was pretty much done with Toronto and had requested a trade and it was granted. And he went to the New Jersey Nets so, Jalen, what do you think would have happened if Vince Carter had stayed in Toronto for his 20-plus year career? Let's be 100% with that 1,000 with it, dude. Like, that team was going nowhere slowly, unfortunately. And it's so crazy to think about the fact that the reason why we say this is a trade that changed the NBA, you know, this is not CP3 instead of Lakers groundbreaking. But we're talking about one of the ultimate professionals in this game being a part of a dynamic duo with Tracy McGrady that not only was another great player at that time, but it was his freaking cousin. And they're both, you know, they're in, they're both in Toronto, a place that isn't synonymous with basketball or at least not synonymous with championship caliber basketball up until, you know, obviously recently. And it's one of those things where they're a duo that we just did not get to see for long. They're a duo that I feel like we did not fully get to see the prime versions of in terms of being together. I feel like we saw the best of Vince while he was at Toronto, but I feel like we didn't see the best of Tracy until he was with the Magic and also um, the stint with the Rockets. So I feel like their timelines never ended up lining up where we would be able to see their max potential. But say they did, 
you have one of the scariest backcourts. I mean, we're talking about the the CP3 Kobe Bryant uh, backcourt just a second ago. I ain't gonna lie to you. This one right here, in terms of getting buckets, yikes! I don't know. You could easily have a debate. That might have to be the question of the day right there. Low key is like, man, what what backcourt are you taking in that in in that situation? CP3 and Kobe Bryant. I mean, geez, or Vince Carter and Tracy freaking McGrady. Like, you know, the what ifs behind that. What if Vince, you know, never left Toronto? What if Tracy never left Toronto? What if Tracy never got hurt? What if, you know, they both could have linked up somewhere else deeper in their prime? There's a lot of what ifs just between those two playing together. And Vince going to New Jersey was our first stint of them being apart in terms of Vince also not being on that Toronto team, because obviously Tracy had left first, but you know, ah, oh man. And then of course, and then of course we get the birth of the crazy New Jersey Nets team that has Richard Jefferson jumping outside the ceiling and through the roof. And you have Jason Kidd throwing lobs from behind the backboard from the stands and from your mama's house where they're just dunking everything. And that's not even in fact, and like, including the fact that they just – that's just talking about them dunking and not even talking about their pace of play. So, I mean, they were just – there's a lot of what-ifs that go around him not being with Toronto. I guess my question to you would be more so posed towards what do you think that New Jersey would have looked like? What do you think New Jersey would have looked like if they didn't get a guy like Vince on their roster? What they would have looked like is a team denying themselves a rebuild. I think that this team basically was in rebuilding mode if they had not gotten Vince Carter because they kept trying to stick with the core that they had in hoping that they would recapture the magic that they had in 2002 and 2003. But ultimately, it wasn't the case because you let Kerry Kills walk in free agency and you let Kenyon Martin walk in free agency as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who is really left outside of Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, you drafted Kerstix, but he couldn't play. He was stuck in Serbia. and then, But when he finally got over here, he was pretty good. The problem True. was with New Jersey, there wasn't a lot of talent outside of Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson. I mean, you had Jason Collins at that time, who's really developing his game at that point. But I just honestly think that without Vince Carter, this team really doesn't get a chance. Like I said earlier, Vince Carter was pretty much done with Toronto. He felt like he was doing too much for a city at the time that really didn't appreciate him. But I feel like the other thing with New Jersey is that, like, Vince Carter going to New Jersey kind of felt like a surprise. I don't think people really expected a guy like Vince Carter who embodied Toronto basketball, who was going to leave to go to New Jersey and go with Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson who I would say at max, I mean, at its height, at that team's height would probably be a five seed. At the lowest would be an eight seed playoff team, maybe barely missing the playoffs in general. But, I mean, I guess for him it was a better situation in Toronto. I have to say, though, if Vince stayed in Toronto and stuck around, like, a lot longer, he could have had a chance at a championship. I don't think – I, I think agree. The, the closest he had been to getting a championship was 2001. Slight uh, chance, though. Slight chance, though. If he had made the basket to 
send Toronto to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, I think they definitely could have had a considerable chance of winning. You mentioned Tracy McGrady earlier. We talked in the last one of the last episodes that we talked about, he was a secondary scoring option to Vince Carter in Toronto. He wanted to be the primary scoring option. And arguably, I agree that he, he was, his play was much better when he left Toronto. I mean, he was a scoring champion in Orlando, for God's sakes. He formed a nice duo with Grant Hill down there in Orlando, even though he was hurt a lot. And then he went to Houston to form another duo with Yao Ming. But Vince Carter, I think, gets a championship at some point if he stayed with the Toronto Raptors in his 20 years. If it was the last year of his career, when Kawhi Leonard was there and Kyle Lowry was playing great defense and Fred Van Vliet was lights out shooting and Pascal Siakam came out of nowhere to be the most improved player. If Vince Carter was on that team and he won a championship, I think he would have ended his career, ended his career the right way, which is with a championship. And I'm glad you said the right way, man, because honestly, that is one of those guys we did. We did a whole segment on it. So there's no point in like blowing it up too crazy, but like, that is one of those guys you just rooted for to get a chip, man. Like, you just you just hope. I mean, four decades of basketball, a 20-plus year career. I mean, he was just one of those guys that you just kind of hoped would win a championship. Um, I think the next guy that we're going to go into, I think we're going to have to spice things up for this last topic, though. You know, the Vince Carter going to New Jersey – not too crazy. Definitely, I feel like changed the NBA because it stripped us, stripped us of another potential to see two great superstars at the guard and forward position, you know, link up at, in their primes. Because if he has stayed in Toronto, and also we kind of have to factor in Tracy staying in Toronto as well, that kind of goes hand in hand. But if those guys could have been together a little bit longer, who knows what could have happened. But our last and final trade is James Harden to the Houston Rockets. Now, for anybody who does not understand how the heck James Harden got to the Houston Rockets, let me start off by saying I don't know either. But it's not because I don't know the logistics of it. It's because I don't understand. The difference between keeping James Harden and having him end up on the the Houston Rockets was that you didn't want to give him $4 million. Not a year. I have to keep that in mind. You did not want to give him $4 million in general in terms of his overall contract. It was $4 million extra they were leaving on the table because they wanted to re-sign Serge Ibaka. The same Serge Ibaka who turned into, similar to Chris Bosh, a stretch four that did not block a single shot anymore after getting his new deal. The guy got paid and was not Sergi Blocka anymore. And you risked $4 million in NBA terms, measly dollars, to keep him and not retain James Harden? Now look, Ryan, look, 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 hear me out, hear me out. This is one of those trios that I'm kind of glad we didn't get to see for longer than what we saw them. Now, my reasoning is because would we have been able to see MVP-style James Harden if he was still on the Thunder underneath Russ and KD in terms of being the sixth man of the year all the time, competing with Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford all the time? Would we have seen MVP Harden 
No. Which means we wouldn't have been able to see the pageant double step back move. The travel that's not a travel when he gets fouled the 700 times that he does go to the free throw line. We wouldn't have been able to see these things. Would we have been able to see the Russell Westbrook that gets revenge against KD by not only averaging a triple-double one year, but averaging it three years in a row and earning an MVP? Would we have been able to see a Kevin Durant who literally won the MVP the year after after James Harden was traded? I'm not entirely sure if we would have gotten all three scenarios. I think the best case scenario probably probably would have been KD winning that that MVP, and it's just because the guy's a bucket. I mean, let's let's be real. Let's you know let's let's really put things in perspective. But at the same time, my dude, on the cusp of going against a team that we refer we referenced in the last episode, the Miami Heat, who just broke the NBA. Took it took taking advantage of some young boys in the Oklahoma City Thunder who were just a year too early. You decide not to run it back, not to bring the boy James Harden back and let him redeem himself after a struggling finals appearance, not give Russ and KD the chance to team up with James Harden one more time and go at it and try to strike the heat and get them while they're at the top of their pinnacle and really strike them down rather than letting the Spurs do it a year a-, a year after, they stripped us of one of the most dynamic trios that the league probably has ever seen, and somehow it gave us three of the best storylines we've ever seen as well. Like, that's the crazy part. Can you be mad? Can you be mad with the trade when you still get when, – when you could have got one cool – you know, trio that turned into a what if and instead got three great diverse storylines that gives us something to talk about between all three players and their own avenues versus all looped together. Ryan, does this team win a championship if James Harden doesn't end up with the Rockets? That's a lot to unpack there. Um, Hey, man, that's what Um, we do. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes. They, they do win a championship at some point. At some point? At some point. What's the trajectory you know, looking like? You know, I don't know. And I, I, that, mm. that's the, so here's the other thing. Miami had to give it to them. And unfortunately, in the, in the <laughs> Miami had to give it to them. They had to show them, hey, don't mess with us. This is our league. <laughs> this is our league for two more years. So no lie. Don't run. Don't run to us again. I'm going to be honest with you real quick. Like, this is where really things fell apart for Oklahoma City and maybe the reason why they haven't reached the championship since Harden was there. And keep in mind, the years since Harden left, he's thrived in the Rockets system. He's become one of the best players in the NBA. I think they are regretting this trade because maybe they were holding back from Harden's full potential. But either way, I mean, Harden was destined to be a superstar in the NBA. I think that do they win a ring? I initially said yes, but as I'm thinking about it now, like who they're going to have to go through in the future, the Spurs, the Warriors, I dare say the Rockets. I would say like mm. the Clippers, the Lakers, like in the future, these three guys are going to have to go through them. Do they win? I mean, if if they all become MVPs in the years that they're all supposed to become MVPs and they stay on the same team, 
yeah, absolutely. I feel like that this team going to win a championship. But Harden's full potential may not have been reached if he was in Oklahoma City. The step backs, the 700 times he goes to the free throw line, <laughs> the travel but the not travel calls that he keeps getting, it's just that's the James Harden we've come to know. And that's the superstar James Harden that everyone knows who he is. I just feel like this whole trade, it really hurt Oklahoma City because, like I said, they, they didn't go and win a championship after they'd never even been to the championship after they let James Harden walk. And, I mean, yeah. let's think about that. He torched the Knicks in his first game as a rocket. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, like, what poetic justice. Like, this is, this is what he does as soon as you let him go, and he just goes off against the New York Knicks. Wow, did that look like a mistake. I mean, that, that was just – that was somebody that you let walk in free agency, and they said, I don't need you guys anymore. I'm going to be a superstar in Houston. And let's face it, I mean, he is a superstar in Houston. Then there is no doubt about it. So I feel like this trade definitely changed Oklahoma City. Houston became a significantly better team. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, definitely. I mean, at the time, I mean, wasn't like Kevin Martin their best player probably at the time from a scoring standpoint? And they traded him for James Harden. They traded him and Jeremy Lamb for James Harden. Yeah, because he was in the trade. Yeah, exactly. So, like, when that – I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's funny. You say poetic justice, and it's weird because it's not like Harden had a choice, but they kind of made the choice for him. And, you know, everybody eats the Knicks lunch. It seems like everybody's kind of like, you know, whenever they get their career high, it's against the Charlotte Bobcats, the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> or <laughs> the New York Knicks. It's, it's highly unfortunate. But it's like at the same time, I could see why that's the phrase you use. The first game after you pass on me for Serge Ibaka for an extra four mil and you go out and drop crazy numbers I mean didn't he have like north of 40 points like he like ate that day and I mean it's one of those things where like you said before I don't know if it ruined or really wrecked things for Oklahoma City um they still were perennial playoff contenders and they never really fell out of the playoff hunt after trading Harden but I mean, one could say, one could easily say that they had to eat their words a little bit because in in terms of also dealing hard in, you made Kevin McHale and Houston, who are also still in your conference, a lot better than what they were and help the enemy and the enemy will take advantage of your weakness. That's kind of what happened. Harden took his opportunity with Houston and he ran with it, and he's still running with it, <laughs> even now. Even with Russ joining him in Houston now, he is still running with it. And um, I think, like you said before, man, I think not being able to see the true potential of Harden if he were not to get traded would have almost kind of been the worst disjustice. And that's kind of why you almost low-key can't be mad at it, even though you're like, dude, the Thunder – kind of jacked it up for themselves. You're almost like, bro, as a basketball fan, with everybody doing what they ended up doing, Houston's fan base got a lot more excited. 
the Thunders fan base got a lot of joy from having Russ and KD on the squad for as a dynamic duo for the time being. And even when KD left, Russ was holding things down and then some. And Golden State also got a lot of benefit from KD obviously going to their team. And there are three different trajectories that maybe when you first saw the team, you didn't think you would see. But seeing all three of these guys open up into their own and kind of like take these paths that they've taken post the Harden trade, oddly enough, we've kind of seen the best versions of themselves in the time frame since then. And it's really, you know, uplifted the league all around in terms of having stars across the league. I pulled up the actual stats from the game. James Harden scored 36 and nine. So just barely 40. Barely 40. And he almost had to double. I'm over here thinking north of 40 because, I mean, he was cooking that day. Yeah, Yeah, he was was putting up some great numbers. I mean, 36 and nine, a rebound short of a double-double. Honestly, listen, he's that kind of solidified what he was going to become. That game solidified what he was going to become. And I think that we now know that he's one of the greatest guards in the NBA right now. For sure, man. I mean, honestly, it's crazy. And I mean, and we'll, we'll kind of do what we did last time and, you know, pose it to listeners, man. Like, out of these three trades, CP3 – going to the Lakers instead of the Clippers. Vince Carter never getting traded from Toronto. James Harden never being traded from the Thunder. Which one of these teams is more likely to win a championship? Who do you guys think is the team that would more likely win a championship if they never traded these players? Or I guess in CP3's standpoint, he ended up going to the Lakers instead of the Clippers. All right, so there's our question of the day. On the next episode, we're going to dive into part nine, our final part of the What If series.